Welcome to the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. Joining me today is the dad joke telling, my bad announcing, cancer solving point guard, Jordan Kress. How you doing, Jordan? Doing pretty good. Um, as you did that intro, I was just kind of thinking like, we might have to change that intro up a little bit because recently my research focus has kind of been shifting a little bit away from cancer. So I don't know if I can really claim myself as a cancer solving point guard anymore but are you already giving up like well, i'm not giving up years, it's so. just i'm pursuing different avenues different interests so is it you're pursuing different interests because you've given up or not because i've given up you don't care I'm about people with cancer but you don't think they're worthy there's of so many different diseases like so i'm supposed to like not care about all the people with inflammatory bowel disease and you know all these different right. other diseases that i could be treating as well I don't know what I that is, like, but that sounds awful. No, Inflammatory yeah. bowel disease. Yeah. You, you're just in a constant state of inflammation and pain. Oh, man. So really sounds pretty, pretty terrible. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm not giving up. And the research that I'm doing is probably still like applicable to cancer. So I can, you know, still make that um, application. But yeah, I don't know if I can really term myself as a uh, cancer solving person okay anyways breaking news jordan is breaking out in his scientific studies then in his uh in his new university experience Um, i know our our audience is all very interested in that but breaking news. just want to put that Um, out there i don't want to like make false claims about myself so well, thank you for that clarification. Yeah, uh, no, no problem. We also may be, um, we're looking at maybe changing the name of our podcast as well. Um, perhaps making it a little more BYU centric of a podcast. So if any of our listeners have any good ideas, hit us up, let us know. Uh, we're in the brainstorming um, stage right now of that change. But Jordan, it has been a few weeks since we've been on the podcast, um, and it's been a few pretty good weeks, I would say, for specifically BYU football. Yeah, for sure. So we've had four BYU games since our last podcast, and BYU's gone ahead and won all of them. So yeah, we just w- wanted to go through and do a little bit of a recap of all those games and, and talk about kind of how we're thinking the team's looking this season. And I mean, real quick, I just want to preface this by saying BYU has not trailed at all this season. Um, There has not been even like a minute in any of the games that they have been down. So that's pretty awesome. Knock on wood. Um, But I just I just thought that was a cool statistic to bring up. But so, yeah, I guess we'll just start with the Utah game um, that happened a few weeks back. Um, BYU finally came out on top. We were talking about this in our last podcast, like how big it is for the rivalry game, but it feels so good. I feel, I feel liberated. How, how do you feel, Brady? The streak is over. It was real nice. It was real nice to see. Uh, and in not even a – wasn't a fluke, wasn't BYU got lucky. Like they dominated from the outset. Like you said, BYU hasn't been losing yet ever, ever all season. And they, they dominated Utah – on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive line, got the best of Utah, and they won the turnover battle, um, which is the main reason they have had this losing streak is they've been 
giving up not just turnovers to, to Utah, but defensive touchdowns to Utah. And uh, Jaron Hall was very careful with the ball, as well as playing extremely well. Um, threw for three touchdowns, threw for 150 yards, and ran for another 90 yards. Um, would have had more if they hadn't called him out of bounds on that one long run in the, I believe that was the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, Tyler Algier, over 100 yards for the game as well. Um, it was very, very satisfying. And, and Lavelle Edwards Stadium has been rocking all year, but especially at the Utah game. Yeah, yeah, my brother was at that game, and he said it was just so fun to be in that atmosphere. And, yeah, it, it just looked like a blast. And, I, but, I mean, Utah did make it a close game towards the end there a little bit. And um, at the end of the third quarter, they brought it within a touchdown. But, um, I mean, still, it still felt like BYU was in control for the, uh, for the whole game. So, yep, really good. And I feel like winning those rivalry games just – kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season, you know, especially where, you know, it was kind of towards the beginning of the season. It just kind of changes the outlook, you know, of the entire season. So, yeah, that was good to see. Yeah, I never uh, – I didn't understand going into the season why there was so much hype with Charlie Brewer going into this game. I don't know if we discussed this at all before the game, but as a Texas fan, I've been watching Baylor play for several years. And uh, Charlie Brewer probably should have retired after his freshman season. He had a great freshman season in BYU, or, or Baylor was really good. And since then, everyone's realized he's not very good. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have very good arms. He doesn't, he's not particularly athletic. Announcers always say he's more mobile than you think he is, but he's really not. He's not a mobile quarterback, and he doesn't have that great of arm strength. Uh, and yeah, BYU exposed him and literally ended his career because he's left the University of Utah team since then. <laughs> he's not even there on the team anymore. Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Utah's, they've transferred to Cameron Rising with and uh, Jackson as their his backup there. Um, but yeah, the, the Utah team, I would say this Utah team is not quite as good as Utah teams of the past, but they're still a solid football team. And uh, excellent win for BYU at home. I don't really care how good Utah was. Uh, they needed to win that game, especially considering they're going to the Big 12. They're not going to play for the next couple of years. This is a big game for BYU, and they got it done. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, the week after that, they played, um, at the time, 19th rank, ranked Arizona State and also came out with a win there, 27-17. to 17. Um this game was really interesting because BYU got off to a really fast start, um, scoring the two, um, scoring the touchdown right after um, Arizona State fumbled it on a kick return, um, and then also scored two touchdowns in the second quarter. So they were winning, yeah, 20, 21 to seven at the end of the of the first half, and then kind of slowed down a little bit, uh, stalled a little bit in the second half. But a, another big game for them with the turnover battle. Um, I believe they first forced four turnovers in that game, didn't they? They is that, did. Is that correct? They did. Yeah, two that's amazing. Yeah. Two fumbles, two interceptions, and then obviously one of the fumbles was that um, the play from Tyler Algier that everyone's talking about where he chases the, the defender who just got an interception off Jaron Hall, chases him down the sideline and 
karate chops the ball out of his hand from from a, from behind. That was pretty incredible. And then Jaron Hall scooped it up, and uh, really, that was the that was a, such a big play. Not just because it was awesome to watch; like it was really cool um, for him to see him chase him down, and it was an amazing athletic play. But that was a huge momentum swing because because like you had said, Arizona State was moving the ball in the third quarter, and cutting down on BYU's lead, and they would have taken the lead if that had been brought back for a pick six. Um, and, yeah, that was a huge momentum play for BYU and, and kept them kept them in the lead. Yeah, and then another big play in that fourth quarter was, you know, Arizona State was still just down by one score. Um, it was 21 to 17. Jaron Hall um, gets some good yardage on a, a running play and makes it uh, first and goal but then gets hurt at the end of the play. So Baylor Romney comes in and on his first pass attempts, throws a touchdown to Isaac Rex as he's getting tackled. That was, that was also, that was, a, that was a great play as well. Now, so I can't imagine coming in with a cold arm, you know, trying to, in such a big pressure situation, making a play like that. That was awesome to see as well. I mean, bad to see Jaron Hall go out with the injury, but yeah. So I wanted to talk about this because it, it worked out and it was great, but that was stupid, right? Like that was a dumb, I feel like most people can agree that was a dumb play. That was a dumb to decision. To even throw the ball? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, if, the, the, the defender didn't really have a chance to catch that one. Be, he didn't have a chance to catch it because Baylor threw a perfect pass, but he was like stumbling around and getting hit as he threw the ball. If he had left that short, that would have got intercepted. Maybe a pick six on that play. Yeah. Like what no, if that, what if he had stumbled and tossed it up there and left it short like he would have could have very easily. And then that inter, that guy pick it off and there's no one else there. There's just a bunch of linemen. And then Isaac Rex is behind him. So if Isaac Rex doesn't get him in the end zone, that could have been a real problem. Even even if it was incomplete right because um i believe that would have been a turnover that was a fourth down play if i remember i, I thought it was, it, was a, it was a third it was a third down, down. It was so they would have had play. to i mean they would have had the decision there like do they kick the field goal which i think they probably would have done because that would have made it a, a you know they would have been up a touchdown so right. yeah but if they if they had just run the ball and even if they didn't make it there would have only been like 20, 25 seconds left on the clock, I think, or 30 seconds. There wasn't very much time, and they would have been up by a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad it worked. I'm happy that it worked. But, um, yeah, that was not – Kalani is a dice roller. He is a high-stakes high, high stakes dice roller, and some of those rolls end up working out, and some of them end up being fourth and 19 against Boise State. Um, but this one happened to work yeah. out, so, so he doesn't get any criticism there, which is good. But um, was it this? I'm trying to remember. Was it that Arizona State game or the South Florida game where BYU completely squandered? Or it was did Jaron Hall throw an interception at the end of the first half against Arizona State? Yes. Yes, he did. So I think he had two right. interceptions that game because it was the one. You know, the fumble recovery from Tyler Algier, that interception, and then the one at the end of the first half. Um, so I didn't have a problem with the interception per se. Like it was one-on-one -on -one and it was a good, yeah. it was a better play by the defense. 
My problem with that drive is BYU had the ball with well over a minute left with a couple timeouts on like the 40, their 45 yard line, the other team's 45 yard line. And they let the clock roll down to a point to where he was throwing that deep shot with only like 20 seconds left uh, from like the 30 yard line. Mm -hmm. And if they had just used their timeouts, they wouldn't have had to, he wouldn't have felt like he needed to take a deep shot. They would have been closer. Uh, And so there was a clock management was a big problem. So they ended up coming with no points from that drive, which turned out to be, ended up winning the game, but they really could have used an extra three or seven points in that third and fourth quarter against Arizona State would have made it a lot cleaner of a game. Um, But speaking of not having clean games, Arizona State had four turnovers, like you said, but they also had 120 yards of penalties. Oh, Uh, yeah. I totally forgot about the penalties. That was was just embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. The one drive where Arizona State was backed up against the, the rock, against the student section, and they had, I think, four false starts. I think so. Drive. Yeah. Was, yeah. I know it gets loud in there, but geez, like, they did not look ready. They look talented. They look, I understand why they're ranked. So, like, their quarterback was pretty impressive despite throwing a couple of interceptions. I can see why people rave about him. And they have some skilled guys. Like, they have some guys, but they also have some, some issues. And uh, I'm sure they're kicking themselves after that game. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the week after that, um, BYU played South Florida, another home game. Um, this was a bit of an interesting game. BYU, again, got out to an early lead. Um, but then kind of stalled in the second half. I don't know. What did you, what did you think about their performance all, overall? Well, um, Baylor Romney ended up getting the start in this game because Jaron Hall got hurt at the end of the um, Arizona State game. So that was a storyline coming in. USF is not good. USF is very bad. Uh, they're a very, very bad football team, although their freshman quarterback played pretty well. But Baylor Romney comes into the game 20 for 25, 305 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he was excellent. He, he ran the offense very well, and the offense was not a problem. The problem was the defense couldn't get off the field, especially in the second half. And so the BYU offense only had, I think they only had seven possessions, if I remember correctly, all game. And five of them were touchdowns. And then another one um, was a missed field goal chip shot that really should have been another touchdown that they kind of squandered. But they ended up coming with no points. Oh, it was blocked, actually. I think that field goal was blocked. blocked, So they, let's say they just make the field goal. That's seven possessions and five touchdowns, one field goal. That's the offense was great. They just didn't get the ball because the defense couldn't get off the field because they could not get South Florida's quarterback, McLean, um, uh, handled. He was very athletic and he was running out of the pocket and uh, they couldn't get him down. So that was the main problem. Uh, but they ended up winning this game, but it was not um, – not an easy ride in the second half. What did you think about this game, Jordan? Um, yeah, a lot of the same things that you pointed out. I, I'm really liking the way that Baylor Romney's playing. Um, and yeah, 
I mean, he only threw five incompletions. Like that efficiency is crazy. Um, but yeah, that that is the main concern. Is yeah, the defense, especially against a subpar offense like um, South Florida, the defense not being able to get off the field. Um, the time of possession, USF had like 36 minutes and BYU only had 24. So that just makes a big difference. So definitely room for improvement there in the future. Um, but I mean, overall, I think the defense has shown us that they're, that they're good. Um, they've been able to, to, for the, for the most part, every game that they've been in, they've been able to dominate the line of scrimmage, which is always such a big factor. Um, but yeah, containing uh, mobile quarterbacks is definitely um, an area where they have room for improvement uh, in the future because um, they'll have um, some mobile kind of mobile quarterbacks in their matchups for the rest of the season, um, especially with Baylor and USC. So we'll have to see how they're able to uh, adjust and contain um, the quarterback running game. Yeah, but they did end up uh, coming away with a win in that game. So they, and really they, they win 35-27. At one point, this game was 35-13. to Yeah. I believe. So for a lot of the game, BYU was in control, um, but their lack of being able to get off the field on defense um, against uh, USF's offense um, limited their offensive possessions, limited limited them for opportunities to widen the the gap in this game. And so they only end up winning by uh, by eight, but they get the win. And then we move on to last night. Uh, BYU goes into Logan, the Battle of the Wagon Wheel, and comes out the victor again. Um, and Utah State put up a lot of fight, um, showed a lot of a lot of heart, a lot of character. They played pretty well. Um, but once again, Baylor Romney was excellent in the first half, and uh, BYU um, was in control for most of this game. Yeah, and... Tyler Algier had a heck of a game. Um, he rushed for 218 yards, scored three touchdowns, and averaged 9.9 yards per carry. So he was a beast. He was a load to take down. And I feel like you can always count on Tyler Algier to, you know, to get those tough, tough five or six yard runs in. And like, but he doesn't break away on a lot of runs. But last night he did. I think he had, I mean, he had a couple. I think he had like a 50-yard touchdown run and like a 40-yard. So, and then he had like the 64-yard touchdown run that ended up being called back. They placed it on the one-yard line, but he was able to punch it in anyways after that. So, overall, outstanding game from him. Um, unfortunately, we uh, had another quarterback injury this game. Baylor Romney went out um, at the end of the first half uh, with con concussion-like symptoms, it seems like. So, um, Jacob Conover ended up stepping in as the third string and it was, wasn't super impressive. He made a, a few good completions, but overall kind of struggled a little bit, but didn't matter because BYU was up at that point and the running game was able to, to get them through the rest of the game. But overall um, I thought they looked really good. Um, but yeah, I think kind of, at the end of this game, this kind of poses an interesting situation going forward with uh, the quarterback situation because now we've had, you know, first few games, Jaron Hall performed pretty pretty decently. Baylor Romney stepped up and played really well. Um, 
And so it's just a matter of like, I mean, who's going to be healthy to play for BYU, especially next week we have uh, Boise State, um, which is going to be a tough game. Boise State hasn't been um, super impressive, but they're always a team to be worried about for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts towards that towards the quarterback uh, situation that BYU has right now? I mean, yeah, it is concerning. I mean, we talk about Boise State; they're two and two, which you know doesn't look great, but they're also very close to being four and zero because they were winning most of that UCF game at UCF that they lost, and they were up late against Oklahoma State at home. So those are both games against good teams that they easily could have won, and that we could be looking at a ranked. 4-0 Boise State coming in to Lavelle Edwards Stadium next week. Um, so this is concerning. This is pressing. I think this is a pretty decent Boise State team they're going to play. And, um, yeah, Jaron Hall has issues with his ribs. And I, I don't know what the rules are with concussion protocol, um, how long they're going to keep Baylor out. Um, BYU is generally pretty conservative with those kinds of things with their players. They want to make sure these guys are healthy, which is good. Happy about that. Um, so, yeah, this is a concern. If neither of those guys can go, then you have a freshman in Jared Conover going out there who is highly touted, four-star recruit, um, chose BYU over an offer from Alabama and other lots of other schools. Uh, you can see in some of his throws in the last game, he's got a pretty good arm, throwing out in the flat uh, to the opposite hash mark. Um, it's just he hasn't had – he hasn't had – in any game experience and um and luckily Tyler Algier was able to to open up the offense and against Utah State um we're just gonna have to hope if if, if Jared Conover is forced to play that Tyler Algier can do the same thing and the one thing that the BOU quarterbacks have not done this year is is turn over the ball they've been very good um at at um and uh, not turning over the ball and being careful and being smart. And with a freshman quarterback, you just don't know how that's going to be. I am happy that the game is going to be at home, though. If this was at Boise State on the blue with a freshman quarterback, I'd be more concerned. But at home, he's got a few snaps under his belt and a win against Utah State. Um, I think they'll be okay. But if, if, Baylor, if Baylor Romney or Jaron Hall get the start, I fully expect them to be fine against Boise State uh, at home. But if Jared Con Conover gets the call, it's just an unknown commodity. He may be great. It's a good system for quarterbacks, but we just don't know. We haven't seen him. Yeah, I mean, first off, I just want to say how awesome is it that we have three quarterbacks that are really as good as they are? Yeah. You know, that's a great situation to be in, like not knowing which quarterback um, is – who you should start but anyways um but yeah if everyone's healthy I was thinking about who do you start because Darren Hall played pretty well like as you said didn't turn the ball over a lot um and now really is a really good dual threat quarterback um add, and adds that element to the office pretty well, offense pretty well but he he's not quite the the same he doesn't pose quite the same threat that Baylor Romney does when he's stepping back to throw because Baylor Romney on his deep, ball, deep balls has been beautiful, as we mentioned. His completion percentage has been really well. And then, I mean, a lot of times um, Jared Hall was missing um, his deep balls. You know, he, he would either overthrow or underthrow. Um, and a lot of those plays could have been touchdowns. 
So for me, um, looking at it from my perspective, I almost like if everyone's healthy, I would almost want to uh, to put in Baylor Romney because my issue with Baylor with the Baylor Romney from a couple years ago was that he his mobility was very limited, but it's much improved this year. I, I think um, he showed quite a few uh, plays, especially in this last game against Utah State, where he was able to extend plays, running out of the pocket, and even had a few first down pickups with his legs. So, um, and hey, he could even catch the ball. We saw that that trick play where they had the the reverse, uh, and it almost resulted in a touchdown for Baylor Romney. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like that's an interesting situation to be in. So I would kind of be leaning towards Baylor Romney at this point. But I mean, I guess we just have to take whoever, whoever's healthy. Because also, I'm I'm kind of confused with the Jaron Hall injury because in that game they made it sound like he just got the wind knocked out of him, but. Now it seems like it might be some like ribs, like like a rib injury. Do you know any more details with that? That's all that I know. I need to look into it more. I haven't really yeah, looked I, into it. Like when I tried to look into it, there wasn't a lot of details. So I don't know if they're just being, like you said, BYU t- does tend to be overly cautious when it comes to that kind of thing, which is good because you don't want you don't want your players getting more hurt than they already are. But I don't know. It seems like an interesting situation for me. It is really nice though because I didn't look it up because I knew I had Baylor Romney and I felt fine about that. Like, yeah, that is, yeah, that is a really nice thing to have. Most a lot of teams don't have one quarterback. BYU has two, and maybe we'll see three. Yeah, uh, potentially coming up soon. Um, but yeah, I'll need to do some more research on Jaron Hall's status. Uh, as far as the the debate over Jaron Hall versus Baylor Romney. I'm definitely not in the camp of Baylor Romney, although he's done very well. Like I'm not, that's not a, that's not really a slight against Baylor Romney. I think he could start for more than half of division one college football teams right now. I think he's really good. Um, My issue is comparing the two uh, sets of production is one played against Arizona state and Utah and even Arizona as a power five, although they're not great. Um, versus one played against Utah State and USF, both of which they have okay, they have some playmakers in offense, but both those teams' defenses are really bad. And um, and, and the thing that I've noticed with Baylor Romney in the past is he's very good in his system, but he is pretty much a first-read guy. He has the play. If it's going to be a deep ball, I'm throwing it. And if it's double covered, then it's double covered. But he, he sometimes is kind of puts blinders on in his in uh, his uh, decision making, which has been fine against Utah State and South Florida because both those teams stink and everyone was open. And he did a really good job. He's very effective, very accurate. Like you said, he was great on deep balls. But as far as as breaking, if the play, if that first decision isn't open, he struggles to. Um, to check down and uh, and make good decisions or, or, or make plays with his feet. He doesn't have a lot of other options if the defense is really good. Whereas Jaron Hall does have those those X factors, that kind of it, it factor about him that I like. And I do think Jaron Hall is a better – he has missed some throws and he does need to get better, but he's done a fairly good job throwing the football. Um, and also another thing with the Utah State and South Florida game 
as compared to the Utah and Arizona State game is BYU is able to run the ball a lot more effectively against those teams with their smaller defensive lines. Um, and when that happens, the deep balls open up. Um, those deeper passes are, are more frequent and uh, become more of an option. And so, yeah, I, I just worry about saying Baylor's better because he's played his stats are better the last couple of games because he's played against competition that's not nowhere near the level or the athleticism that Darren Hall was playing against. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But I I mean I guess you're you're talking about the Baylor Romney, like when you're talking about his um, decision making ability, that's mainly judging the Baylor Romney from a couple years ago. And um, I mean he hasn't really been put in that situation yet, but he could he could definitely be much improved in that scenario. So I guess I'll still remain somewhat reserved in like the quarterback battle, but I do, I do think Baylor Romney shows a lot of promise and it just opens up a lot more of the playbook when you're able to have more accurate passing down the field um, in those, on the, on those longer passes, but. They've both been great though. Like I feel good. I don't dislike like either either one of them. them. Yeah. Like this week, actually, there was debate on, oh, is Jaron going to go or is Baylor going to, like, is Jaron 100%? Is he going to play? And I was like, you don't just sit him. Like, if he's not 100%, you're fine. Let Baylor yeah. play. Like, yeah. Utah State's not very good. You can win this game with Baylor Romney. Let Jaron Hall get healthy because you're going to need him probably later in the season when you play Baylor and play USC and play Boise State. And so it's really nice to have such a good security blanket that, it's not even that big of a deal. Even even if even as good as Jaron Hall has been this season, you're fine if he's not playing. Like that's that's quite the luxury for a team like BYU. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, to kind of continue on our BYU discussion, we just kind of wanted to break down some of the strengths and weaknesses that we've seen with the team so far. And so yeah, maybe some things that we might be concerned about going forward. And then also looking ahead at the schedule that they have coming up because they've still got some pretty important games left on, on the schedule. So, so yeah, we'll start with you, Brady. What do you, what are you thinking so far about uh, the overall performance of the team? So I'll kind of break down strengths first. The strengths of this team are um, the line to scrimmage, particularly the offensive line has once again been excellent. They were great last year, um, highly graded by pro football focus sent and sent uh, a couple guys to the league, uh, particularly Brady Christensen, their left tackle. But despite um, those departures from the offensive line, um, they've been they've been dominant. They've been dominant against teams like Utah and Arizona State even, uh, but especially against the smaller teams, South Florida and Utah State. It's been very clear that BYU's offensive line and their scheme, they run, they run that inside-outside zone uh, very well, very athletic, and they get their offensive linemen to the second level. They've been great. But but I think the un, unsung hero for the BYU running game has been the wide receivers. The BYU wide receivers are excellent run blockers. If you go back and look at the touchdown down the sideline that Tyler Algier had in the Utah State game um, in the fourth quarter, you'll see Puka Nakua pretty much pancake his cornerback and then move up field and get a piece of the safety that allowed Algier to, to run the extra 30 yards down to the one yard line. And that's all 
and, and I know I've seen Pau uh, do the same thing. Uh, Gunnar Romney's a pretty good pass blocker. Um, they have, when, when you have that, uh, th- those are the guys that spring the big plays, right? And so, and that kind of effort is, is, is all in coaching. I'm very impressed with everyone in regards to both pass blocking and run blocking. And their defensive line has been pretty stout. That was a question mark going into the year after losing Zach Dahl and uh, Kyrus Tonga. But they've stepped up. Mahe has been really good at that nose tackle position. Um, and then Batty and uh, Leotawa have been have been good at those positions. And so, yeah, the offensive defensive lines have been great. Running back room is great. Quarterbacks have been great. Um, yeah, I feel like all of those positions are strengths for BYU. What would you say are any other strengths or, or particular things you think BOU is really good at? Yeah, we've kind of already touched on it already, but um, I think a big strength has been um, the turnovers that the defense has been able to force because that makes such a big difference in the uh, outcome of the game because momentum shifts when those kind of turnovers happen, giving your offense more opportunities and putting your offense in good field position. All those things are recipes for success. And BYU's forced 10 turnovers so far this season. They've had a turnover, at least one turnover every game. Um, That's been great because BYU years in the past have not been able to do that. Um, They're usually, like as we've kind of mentioned, they're pretty conservative in their defensive play calling, and they end up letting the offense just kind of pick their way down the field. And, but yeah, so I think that's been a, a big strength for this year. Like, like you've touched on, the offense overall looks really good. I feel good about all our skill player positions. Um, the Nakua brothers have really been stepping up. I'm, yeah, I've been very pleased with like how they've been performing as, um, and they, so yeah, between them and Gunnar Romney and then our tight, tight ends, uh, Isaac Rex and um, Down Holker, like we just got so many weapons. And then being able to run the ball with Algier, it's, it's just great to have that. You're, you're having your whole play, playbook really open, you know? So I feel like that'll be important going forward. Um, maybe uh, maybe something that I'm concerned about is just there's still been a few times where you just have painful possessions uh, with BYU where, I mean, I think a good example was in the Utah State game that um, – that that drive where they did the trick play where Baylor Romney Baylor Romney cut, caught the pass and was on the one yard line, po- they were poised for a touchdown. But there's a few play calls. You know they tried to do some fancy running plays and tried to pass it and ended up getting backed up and it ended up being uh, fourth and goal on like the 35 because Baylor Romney kind of fumbled the ball that they were able to recover and everything. And, and then they ended up having to kick the field goal. That kind of stuff is just like painful to watch, right? You, you, yeah. you just need to be able to execute better. Um, yeah, in those kind of situations. And against a better team, that could have really hurt them. Yeah, for sure. And they ended up getting three points, which was great, but they should have got a touchdown. Yeah. That, that drive. You're right. Um, there's a couple things I'm worried about. I guess one thing to your point, BYU is ninth in the country in turnover margin. So they're you're 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 definitely right. They have been great in that regard, and that's been a that's been an issue of theirs in the past. Uh, on the flip side, so that's that's a big change. Um, 
weaknesses, tackling an open space has been a big problem. And, and specifically in open space, because they're actually really good tacklers if you can kind of get in a in a phone booth per se, like if it's in at the line of scrimmage, if it's, it's if it's within the box, BOU is excellent at tackling. But if you get a mobile quarterback like USF, I don't know, McLean like feel like he never got touched, and 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 there was and there was defensive linemen in his face. He just easily danced out of their way, and and I feel like that was poor coaching. Honestly, they should have just said, don't even try like. At, by the second half, at least, after it was clear that they couldn't get to him, say, don't even try. I don't want you to sack him. Specifically, do not try to sack him. Just make him stay in the pocket and make him throw the ball in the pocket because all of his passing yards were running outside of the pocket and throwing for five to ten yards to someone who the defensive backs just can't cover for for eight seconds kind of thing. Um and then there was issues tackling an open space with Arizona's fast wide receivers as well. Um, that's been a consistent concern that I have. Uh, and if they play some teams in the future, when they play USC, I know USC is not good, but they have some dudes on the outside who are athletic and they're going to have to deal with those guys. Uh, Baylor, Baylor has a lot of athletes on their team. So that's a concern, tackling an open space. The other thing is their third down defense. You've mentioned um, before, we've talked about this from a schematic perspective before. BYU's defense can't get off the field. They play well. They've created some turnovers, which has helped. Um, but they're 65th in the country on third down percentage, which is not great, but it could be a lot better. Against Utah State last game, they forced 21 third downs. And a lot of them were third down and long, actually, against Utah State. But Utah State was 11 for 21, which is a really good third down percentage. So, and, and those are demoralizing. Those are demoralizing for the defense and also the offense, because like we've discussed before, your offense is great. Every single position, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, quarterback, running back, every room is really talented. But they're only getting seven or eight possessions a game. And if, and so to get, like at Utah State, they only scored 35 points. If they had gotten 10, 11, 12 possessions, it would have scored like 60, right? Um, but you're just not utilizing your best side of the field when the defense can't get off the field. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm mostly concerned about, the defense. And, uh, yeah, I feel good about the offense, though. Yeah. And, yeah, just kind of – um, building on that in the fourth quarter against Utah State, Utah State had that possession where on their touchdown drive, they had, I think, two fourth down conversions that were like fourth and 10, and then a few long third down conversions too. So, you know, BYU's defense was doing a good job of put, uh, putting Utah State in a bad position on third and fourth down, but they were still converting. And, the, you know, some of it was just mistakes and like, uh, missing assignments downfield, or there was a few pass interference calls as well, as well. And then also just letting Bonner, who is not the most mobile quarterback and who was kind of limping around in the second half, yeah. letting him scramble for like 10 or 15 yards. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you, you just can't let happen so that you can yeah, get your offense back on the field um, in those kind of situations. Because 
you can't afford to force a team to have a third and 10, fourth and 10, and not get them off the field. Yeah. And BYU's offense has been really efficient, obviously, since we just, we've talked about several times with their five touchdowns and seven possessions last game. Um, but that's required. That's putting a lot of pressure on your offense. Your offense is really good, but if they don't have a good game and your defense can't get off the field, then you're in trouble. If you give your offense enough possessions, then even if they have a bad game, they're still going to score enough times to where you'll be all right. Um, but you're you're forcing your offense to be very efficient all game, and and that's dangerous. That can put you in bad situations against good teams. Um, and the other the other weakness, I guess is it's both a weakness and a strength is BOU is a lot deeper than they have been in the past, but they're having a lot of injuries um, on both sides of the ball, um, specifically on defense. They've had some uh, defensive issues with, you know, Keenan Peely's after the season. He's their best defensive player probably along with Wilgar. Um, Isaiah Heron had issues with, and obviously the quarterback position. So we need to get healthy and um, yeah. Um, but overall, I've seen a lot more strengths and weaknesses. It's been a great season so far. Uh, so I guess with those things considered, um, what are your thoughts about this team looking ahead with their remaining schedule? So, yeah, looking ahead at the schedule, we've got kind of already touched on the important games they have left, which is going to be Boise State, um, Baylor, uh, Virginia will be. Um, Virginia isn't going to be very highly ranked going into that game, but that'll still be a tough game. I think, um, it'd be cool having Bronco back in Lavelle Edwards stadium. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it's USC and that's basically it. They've got quite a few people, but see, those are the, the, the games that you think we should be worried about, but the games that we really need to be worried about are like Washington state and no. Cause like that's those are the games that BYU always seems to lose. Like they'll beat the teams like, you know, the Wisconsin's of the past, and then they'll lose to like Toledo. You know, I'm just I'm just kind of joking. You know, like we we really shouldn't have to worry about them. Washington State hasn't looked very good, um, and I think they lost they lost to Utah, right? So already, they lost to Utah State. Oh, they lost to Utah State then. Okay, so yeah. really shouldn't You're be probably. Good. So we, we should win those games. Um, yeah, I feel good about all those games going forward. Baylor will probably be the toughest. Um, they've looked pretty good. Um, they beat Iowa State last week. And then we'll have to see they're playing um, Oklahoma State today. So if they come out with a win in that game, they'll, that'll, be, that'll be a big game. That'll be, they'll probably both be ranked in the top 15 at that point. So uh, Against Baylor? Yeah, against Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll be a game that's homecoming for Baylor. So they're going to be packed in there. Um, against Playing against Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos, previous um, uh, coaching staff for BYU last year. So they'll be very familiar with each other. Um, Baylor has a pretty good defense. They're solid. Baylor's a solid team, and it's going to be on the road in a hostile environment. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm most concerned about that game. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Virginia is not great, but they do. I, I didn't realize this. Their, their quarterback is leading the country in passing yards actually. 
Wow. Um, which could be concerning because BYU's defense is pretty good at stopping the run, but they've shown some weakness against the pass, specifically with quarterbacks who are willing to take what they offer them, um, who are patient and experienced. So we'll see how that game goes and they go at USC. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this team. What are your expectations for record? Like, like we could, there's no reason why this team couldn't go undefeated other than obviously if Baylor Romney and um, Jaron Hall like go out for the season, then okay, we're having a different discussion. But we're, for this discussion, we're assuming that w- at least one of those dudes is going to be healthy enough to play in all these games. Um, let's just have that as an assumption. What are your expectations for the final record for this team? I mean, like you identified, I don't think it's unrealistic to to see them running the table and going undefeated throughout the regular season. And then I would see like they should be a one a one loss team at the most. And I think that one loss would be coming to Baylor. That's kind of what I expect going forward. Yeah, that's gonna. I, I think I think I don't think they'll go undefeated. I think they're gonna lose a game because I don't think their defense specifically with their injuries is going to be good enough to win every game. Um, uh, I don't know exactly which team that's going to be. I would, if I had to put my money on it, I would say at Baylor is is the toughest game, but Virginia and USC are not particularly easy games either. And then Boise state as well, specifically this week, actually, if, if Jared Conover is forced to start, this might be the most likely game. If you had to say Jared Conover at home against Boise State or Jaron Hall slash Baylor Romney at Baylor, I'd probably be more scared about the Boise State game this week. So, um, yeah. So it's definitely not for sure. I'm not expecting them to go undefeated. I'll not be disappointed if they go 10 and 2, even if it was two of these games. That's a great season if they go 10 and 2. Um, but this could be a special team. This could, could definitely be a New Year 6 team. And if they go undefeated, it could be a playoff team. Don't say that too loud because uh, we don't want to be hyperbolic here. But, like, if they run the table, they have a power five schedule. Uh, there's not partic- – this year in particular, there's not a lot of dominant teams. They could sneak their way in. They'll need some help. They'll need yeah, some help. they'll need some serious help, could. I think. It's not off the table. I mean, but a lot of things would have to happen with that. So I guess that kind of helps us transition pretty well into we kind of wanted to shift more talking about college football on the national stage, what's been happening with the rest of the country. And this will kind of shift well into that discussion. But I mean, as you mentioned, the door has been kind of open. Uh, Clemson, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're out of the college football playoff discussion now at this point. Um, and so I think we can say, like, you know, Alabama's still firmly entrenched. They'll probably end up making it into the college football playoff. But, yeah, the door's kind of open. Oklahoma's kind of been looking iffy. So if they end up dropping one or two games, like, they might be out of that um, discussion. Ohio State already lost to Oregon. And so, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. So, yeah, what are, what are your kind of thoughts on, I guess, and now that we're kind of shifting towards the, the national schedule, what, what did you want to talk about there? Well, I guess first, um, yeah, Clemson, Clemson's fallen off the table. We kind of hinted at this a few weeks ago after that Georgia game, discussing about how Clemson off, Clemson's offensive line is 
is not good. They, they were not good last year. It's why they lost in the playoff game. And obviously those corrections have not been made because they are, they are an issue. The loss of ETN has been an issue in the run game. And uh, their quarterback, whose name I still can't pronounce. Um, Uwe Ungalale. Yeah, that was good. That was a good job. Um, he, <laughs> he has... He's been disappointing. He hasn't been very effective, and their, their offense is a problem. And they've had some issues on defense with injuries, particularly. Uh, their, their best linebacker has been hurt. Um, Breesy, their best defensive lineman, five-star guy, he's, he's out for the season as well. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't say this is the end of Clemson because they still have a lot of talent, and they still have a lot of talent coming in, specifically Caleb Klubnick. Remember that name from Austin? He's a five-star recruit who's coming to Clemson next year at quarterback. He's going to be really good. So Clemson is not going away in the long term yet. But this year, yeah, they're done uh, as far as college football playoff discussion. And so is the ACC. The ACC is bad. Uh, North Carolina's lost a couple games. Virginia Tech already lost after beating North Carolina to West Virginia. Um, Miami stinks. Like, the ACC has no one in the conference who's yeah. very good at all. Um, they're even worse than the Pac-12, although the Pac-12 can purely thank Oregon for that um, designation because Oregon's been really, really good. I was, I was impressed watching them play against Ohio State and getting a big win in the horseshoe. Yeah, no, that was impressive. I, I watched that game and they were they really dominated the line of scrimmage, which was something that surprised me because. I'm used to Oregon teams of the past being more um, reliant on their speed on the outside and, you know, kind of getting, and then, you know, getting teams off balance by running the hurry up offense, but their style has really changed from the years of Chip Kelly. So yeah, they'll, they'll be a team to watch going forward. I'm still not sure how good they are, but I mean, it's pretty likely, especially in a Pac-12 conference that isn't as strong, that they'll end up going undefeated towards the end of the year. So they'll be, um, they're definitely in that discussion for uh, getting into the college football playoff. Yeah, they're an interesting team because, like you said, the Pac-12 is not good, so their chances of running the table are really high now that yeah. they've beaten Ohio State, mm -hmm. so they're probably going to be in. And and we still don't really even know how good – we think they're pretty good, obviously, winning at the horseshoe. That's a big – against the Ohio State team that's down but still pretty talented, still really good. That's a big win for them. Uh, and so, yeah, looking at Oregon now. And then – I just didn't understand. I watched the second half of this Oregon-Ohio State game. I don't understand how, how Ohio State only scored 28 points in this game. Because C.J. Stroud was for almost 400 500 yards. 500 yards? Yeah. 484 yards and three touchdowns. And he only had one interception, and it was at the end. Um, they ran for 128 yards. I just don't – they only had one fumble, and I don't think they even lost that fumble. So, like, I don't, I don't understand how they only scored 28 points. I just didn't watch the first half. Maybe they – I don't know. Maybe they went for it on fourth down several times, and they just ended up empty, ended up not getting anything out of those possessions. But that's an impressive – it's very impressive to have 612 yards of total offense for Ohio State and 28 points at home. Like, so – Oregon, and that's to say that Oregon is not perfect. Obviously, their defense buckled down when they needed to, but they're not foolproof. Um, 
So yeah, even though Oregon, Oregon had a very impressive win, they're not necessarily, you know, we're not talking about the new Alabama here. Yeah. But I mean, as I said, in that game, Oregon did dominate the line of, scrim- line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, or- Ohio State still rushed for 128 yards, which isn't like fantastic. But I think that's the thing. Like they were so reliant on the passing game. Um, and yeah, they just, I think they just choked at a few key junctures of the game. And then, you know, CJ Stroud j- did throw an interception. So um, one thing that I'm confused about with Ohio State is they had a running back last year. His name was Master Teague. He's still on the team and everything. And he's kind of a funny name. That's why I remembered him. But he was dang good. He was, you know, he was behind Trey Sermon last year, obviously. But he had some, he had next level speed. And he, he had some plays that were like pretty awesome. And then it was kind of like a battle. Like, who's the better running back at Utah, uh, at Ohio State? Is it Trey Sermon or Master Teague? And he hasn't seen the field at all this year. And granted, um, the other running backs that Ohio State has, Williams and Henderson, they're highly touted as well. They're they're really good. Um, but I, I, that's my question. Why isn't Master T getting any touches? So he's, get, he's getting some touches. He gets the ball. He gets in the game some. But it's because Travion Henderson's a five-star, and he's 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 got 46 attempts for 439 yards and six touchdowns. He's averaging 9.5 yards a touch. Okay, so he is really good then. It's because that it's not necessarily because T is bad. It's because uh, Travion Henderson. Remember that name. He's real good. He's uh, he's one of the best running backs in the country. Not just one of the best freshman running backs. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So both of those teams are interesting. I guess since we're talking about Ohio State, I'm gonna jump into the Big Ten a little bit. Um, there's a couple names in the Big Ten right now. So you got. You got Michigan hanging around. You got Penn State hanging around. Uh, Iowa is still undefeated. Um, what do you think about any of those teams? Who do you think? Who do you think's for real? Who you not sold on in the Big Ten? I mean, I think the team that I'm most sold on in the Big Ten is Penn State because they also pulled off the win against Auburn. You know, an SEC team. Not not like Auburn's one of the top teams in the SEC, but um, you know, and they looked. They look pretty good in that game. It was still, still only won by a touchdown, but, um, but yeah, they looked pretty good there. They've been dominating the games, you know, that they've needed to against like Villanova and Ball State. Um, and then, yeah, they, they beat Wisconsin, like I said, at home in, in their home opener, um, which, you know, no matter, you know, even though Wisconsin isn't like super good this year, that's still a tough game to come out with. So, I think they're pretty good. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. I think they'll probably end up dropping a game to one of those teams in the Big Ten later on this season. I think it'll it'll probably be a similar um, situation to last year where all the teams in the Big Ten kind of end up beating each other. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that goes. But if I was to pick a team from the Big Ten right now to make it into the college football playoff, I'd probably choose Penn State. Yeah. Um... Penn State's good. They're solid. I'm not sold on them necessarily. They go into Kinnick Stadium next week to take on the Hawkeyes. So that'll be one of the biggest games of the week next year is, or next, next week is Penn State, Iowa. Um, and Iowa is an interesting team because their defense is excellent. They're leading the country in um, defensive touchdowns. And they're like, ranked, they have like number nine in turnover margin. Or number 
number 12 or something like that. They're really high in turnover margin and they've turned those in. Well, actually, let me take that back. Let me rephrase that. So these stats are coming before last night's game. Um, they're leading the country in defensive touchdowns and were 12th in turnover margin before last night when they played Maryland and forced seven turnovers and didn't have any turnovers. So they were at plus seven against Maryland last night in the turnover margin. So, so I don't know how those will adjust, those stats full rankings will adjust after this week, but I'm sure they'll be higher. So they've been really good on defense and particularly good at taking away the ball. And and a lot of those are takeaways. They're not, they're not the defense or the other team being careless necessarily. It's a good job by Iowa, but they're I just don't know what to think of them because that's not that that's not I, I can't I can't see that as sustainable. Yeah. Right. Um, for your defense to win you all your games against good teams, especially when they play, if they end up playing Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. I just don't think if it gets Ohio State's offense and their playmakers are so good, I just don't think Iowa will be able to win on defense against a team with that much firepower. But I do think they could beat Penn State at home, and they don't really have any other particularly difficult games on their schedule. So we could be looking at Iowa going undefeated in the regular season, potentially. Uh, but even with that said, even if they go it's even if they go undefeated in the regular season, I still won't necessarily buy them, which is hard to say. They'll obviously be good, but if they if if they have them matched up against Ohio State, Alabama, um, Georgia, one of the one of the better better teams even texas honestly if they played texas i would i would expect texas to win yeah against iowa uh despite all of texas's problems um so yeah it's interesting interesting to watch um but but the there is room with ohio state uh, they haven't lost a conference game but with ohio yeah. state having a weakness um there's some breathing room in the big 10 for the first time in a while yeah, I guess I would probably amend my statement from before. I would still say Ohio State's probably the most likely team from the Big Ten to make it into the college football playoff, but that's provided that Oregon runs the table and they're, they themselves are going to make it into the college football playoff. So, um, so, yeah, that's a lot of ifs at that point. But some other teams that I think are worth mentioning from the Big Ten are Michigan and Michigan State. Both of them are undefeated right now. However, I still – I'm not really convinced that either of them are that good. They haven't played – anyone particularly tough and they've they, they had some close calls in games that shouldn't have been close calls uh michigan only won uh, by seven points against Rutgers, which Rutgers is never any particularly good and then um michigan state uh ended up going to overtime and won by a field goal to nebraska which nebraska is decent they gave oklahoma a run for their money but they're still they're not that great nebraska is not decent so but I mean, they almost they almost beat Oklahoma. They got their doors but, blown off by Illinois. Illinois got their doors blown off by UTSA. All right, like whoa, dang! Like, did not, uh, I did not know that. I did yeah, not know that like, uh, those facts. Nebraska's not good. Anyways, okay, but I mean, Nebraska has given some good teams a run for their money. We can at least yeah. say that. Yeah. Which, let, real quick, let's just touch on that Nebraska Oklahoma game. I don't know if you watch that game, but that's like got one of the the highlights of the year so far for me. Um, the, uh, I, I'm forgetting his name now, but that interception from Oklahoma at the, in the fourth quarter, did you see that? Like 
Yeah, I and saw that like, line. Reached back, one-handed, pulled it in. Stop, man, that was crazy. That's, that was one of the best interceptions I've ever seen. That yeah, was, uh, that was cool. that was fantastic. It was, although it was typically Oklahoma because it was actually stupid. It was a stupid interception because he should have not intercepted it because it was fourth down. And yeah, he actually lost his team like thirty yards. But yeah, that's true. But still, awesome. that was awesome. It was awesome, but you know, uh, I guess since you brought up Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, they've they've struggled. I I came in the year thinking that Oklahoma was the team to beat. Honestly, they were my number one team going into the season. Um, and I've been, so far been proven right in some ways and wrong in way unexpected ways. Um, because the defense is pretty good. Their defensive line, in particular, they might have the best defensive line in the country. Uh, Oklahoma is is very stout with Isaiah Thomas and uh, Benito and some of their other war daddies there. Um, but the offense has struggled with Spencer Sand, or not Spencer Sanders, he's Oklahoma State quarterback, uh, Rattler. Spencer Rattler? Yeah. What's his first his name? name? Fence, yeah. No, uh, Spencer. Spencer yeah, Rattler. Spencer Rattler. Um, <laughs> I think people were just expecting, he had some struggles last year, and he was good last year, but but not excellent, but he was a true freshman. And I think people expected to take for him to take a leap in that Oklahoma offense. Um, but he, he hasn't really, he looks like the same guy as last year. He looks very beatable. Uh, their run game in particular, Oklahoma, everyone talks about Oklahoma's quarterbacks, but Oklahoma's strength on offense is their run game. They average over 200 yards a game usually in their, in their run game, but they haven't, they have not been quite as proficient in the run game, which I think is hurting their passing game. And from a quarterback who hasn't been, um, hasn't been elite, uh, hasn't looked like the projected first round pick for sure in the NFL draft. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, and it's just so interesting because looking at the end of last year, Oklahoma really hit their stride and they looked unstoppable on offense, but, and that, that has not translated over to this season. And we'll have to see. Maybe it'll be a similar trend to last year where they struggle towards the beginning of the season and then really start to put things together towards the end. But at this point, I'm not, you know, I'm not buying into them. So, and there's, they have many beatable, you know, many games where they can be beat. Sorry, I think you were going to go into that. No, yeah, they're, they're playing at Kansas State, who has been their purple kryptonite. Kryptonite. TCU has been Texas's purple kryptonite, and Kansas State has been Oklahoma's purple kryptonite over the years, beating them in ways that they really shouldn't beat them. Um, but they're at Kansas State. I don't think this they're gonna have to worry about that if um, if Howard is going to be Kansas State's quarterback. But because I, I don't know the I don't know the um, the medical standing of Skylar Thompson. If Skylar Thompson was starting for Kansas State, this would definitely be the week before Texas, before, before playing Texas. This would be a big a big game for Oklahoma uh, to potentially watch out for again. But anyway, so yeah, Oklahoma looks beatable and Texas um, has been a roller coaster of an experience because they got it just flat out embarrassed by an Arkansas team who we'll talk about more in a minute, but may actually be good. So that, that loss at Arkansas may not look as bad as it did at the time, but they got physically dominated and on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive against Arkansas. And their offense was 
non-existent in the first half. Um, they did not look innovative. They looked pretty embarrassing. Um, but in the second half, or, or, or since then, they blew out Rice 58 to nothing, and they blew the doors off Texas Tech 70 to 35, and it could have been worse because they had 70 points with like 13 minutes left in the game. So they could have dropped like 90 points <laughs> if they really wanted to. Um, so I, it's yet to be – neither of those teams have obviously have good defenses. So it's yet to be seen – We'll find out this week they're playing TCU today, and that'll be kind of a truth serum game for Texas to see, hey, did they really make some changes or did they play two crappy teams? And so Texas has TCU, Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma State back to back to back. And uh, we'll learn a lot about the Big 12 in the next couple of weeks um, on who's going to come out of there. But watch out, like as bad as Texas, Texas looked against Arkansas, they still have a shot to run the table in the Big 12 or at least get to Arlington uh, for that Big 12 championship game. And if they are a problem, and, and so the Big 12 has a chance of kind of eating each other up where they may not get a, they may not get a um, playoff team this year if Oklahoma doesn't run the table and put things together. So uh, be interesting to see what happens in the Big 12. So a question for you, as a Texas fan, are you rooting for Arkansas at this point? Because no. I remember we had the discussion a few weeks ago where you called Arkansas the little brother of Texas. So are you going to, to, to root for them? Are you hoping that they do well for the rest of the season at this point? Or are you kind of just like could care less about them? I don't know. That's a good question. My first thought was, no, I'm not cheering for them. But I do, I do want some validation because of how embarrassing that loss was. I would like them to be good so I don't feel so bad because it was really like that was one of the more embarrassing game like texas has had a lot of embarrassing games in the past decade they've been really bad but that one just the way they got beat it wasn't necessarily that they lost because that's a tough place to play and if i don't know if you watched that game but you could see on tv like vietnam is real like they freaking hate texas and they were loud and they were ready they brought the energy for that game and they were played really well and they were really good um so i kind of do want them to win just because i don't i don't want to feel quite so bad about that loss but i mean not particularly happy about them being good so if that answers your question yeah no that does i was kind of interested with that because i in the last episode you were kind of trash in arkansas and you were like yeah they're not good at all and stuff like that so anyways we'll have to see today will be the big test for arkansas they're playing georgia um top 10 game so this will this will be the test if they can if they can play with georgia even that will kind of show um, how good they actually are. But yeah, they've been a big shocker this year. Um, and yeah, they beat Texas A&M last week too, which is also a top, top 10 ranked team. Not sure how good Texas A&M really is, but yeah, but they looked, they looked pretty, pretty decent in that game. So. Yeah. so Texas A&M is legit on defense. They have a really good defense, but since they have quarterback issues, so they're on, they're on their back, their second string quarterback, Calzada, and he's trash. He's really bad. So. Um, with him at the helm for AM, they're not definitely not as good as they could be if they had a better quarterback. Something to look out for Arkansas, though, is KJ Jefferson got hurt in the last game against Texas AM, so they'll have their backup again in against Georgia. Um, so I don't know, I'm not expecting them to be if they had KJ Jefferson, that's a 
uh, that'd be a much more interesting game. But okay, I, yeah, I, I didn't realize their, that. Yeah. I don't know who their backup is or if he's any good or not. So you'll want to consider that when judging Arkansas based on this Georgia game. Yeah. But I think they are good, though. I think they're physical up front. They got a pretty good defense. They have playmakers. AJ Jefferson, I. He's a, he's a new commodity, right? He's an unknown. He's a freshman, so I didn't know about him coming in the year. Dude looks like Cam Newton. Uh, he kind of has a little bit of unorthodox style in the pocket and throwing the ball, but he's throwing the ball downfield pretty well, and he's like 250 pounds, and he's pretty fast. Um, and they got a bunch of fast dudes running the ball. And, uh, yeah, Arkansas is not – they're pretty good. I think they're legit. Um, how legit is remain to be seen because we don't know how good Texas and Texas A&M are in particular, but I think it's safe to say that Arkansas is at least good. Okay, so kind of to, to kind of sum up the discussion with everything, all the teams that we've talked about today, I mean, you mentioned the possibility of BYU getting into the college football playoff. What, what would need to happen? What stars would need to align for that to actually be a possibility? So BYU would need to go undefeated. First off, that's a given, mm-hmm. right? So they're not yeah. getting in if they have one loss. Yeah. Although they could get into New York Six maybe still if they had one loss. Um, um, Ohio State's going to need to lose again. Um, and they're going to need to lose again and win the conference, I think. So, so none or, of the other Big Ten teams can go undefeated, basically. If a, if a Big Ten team is undefeated – uh, that isn't Ohio State, they're going to get in. And if a Big Ten, and if Ohio State has one loss and goes undefeated the rest of the season, they're going to get in. If Oklahoma has one loss and wins the conference, they're going to get in over BYU. Um, if Cincinnati goes undefeated, that will be an interesting discussion. They might get in if they're undefeated. If Notre Dame's undefeated, they'll get in. Georgia's undefeated. Alabama's undefeated. So there's lots of teams that are still ahead of BYU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but if if certain if those dominoes fall, which they very may very may well fall, Oregon State Oregon's undefeated, and they'll probably stay undefeated. Even if they have one loss, they're probably getting in. So there's lots of teams, all right, that have better brands, and they'll probably get in over BYU even if they're undefeated. Um, whether they should or not is another question, but probably will. But if they get a few more losses, they could sneak in and they'll at least be in the discussion, which is cool. They'll be legitimately in the discussion mm-hmm. and they'll for sure get a New Year's Six Bowl if they're undefeated, which would be awesome. And if they have one loss, they still might get a New Year's Six Bowl. So that's great too. But. Yeah. Yeah. There would definitely be a lot going in because I imagine we'll probably, I, I feel like it's pretty likely that we would end up getting two, oh, SEC teams. Um, uh, this year, because like Georgia or Florida, potentially, if they end up maybe just losing to Alabama or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. I guess, we'll, I guess we'll just have to see how that how that pans out. But Cool. Well, I think that kind of wraps up everything um, for today. We're kind of doing catch up with all our college football and our BYU discussions. It's been a few weeks. We'll try to uh, get another episode episode out before the next four weeks of football go by. Uh, we're just both busy with school, but we'd like to thank you all for uh, listening to us today and uh, hope to catch you next time.